You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. A special bonus live Saturday podcast from Royal Ascot, day five. Uh, here, paddock side once again. A little bit of cloud cover this morning, but the sun is breaking through, and I think we're well set to be over 80 degrees this afternoon. For the fifth and final day, the feature race renamed for, I think, the, the fourth or fifth time in the last couple of decades now, the Queen Elizabeth II Jubilee Stakes, celebrating Her Late Majesty, and with a, a wonderfully rich and diverse international field from Australia and Hong Kong and the United States, from Britain and Ireland, David Yates, a newsboy from the Daily Mirror, has generously agreed to give up a little more time for a, a bonus pod this Saturday morning. So we're making a little bit of pod history, Dave. Yes, it's, it's great to be part of history, um, <laughs> I must say. Um, it's been, a, it, it's been uh, we needed a good, I think we, we needed a really good Royal Ascot this week, Nick, didn't we? We the, did. The last few weeks and months, we've there's been there's been enough doom and gloom and and cloud overhead hasn't there yeah i'll, the, I'll, I'll come to that in due, in due course but yeah there's been a lot of feel good about this week hasn't yeah there, there really has and i i don't normally like to mark the homework of other journalists I've, there are pods out there podcasts out there that that can do that um very well but at the start of the week lee mottishead told tom stanley on the nick luck daily that this there, there were there were two main stories in anticipation a new king and an outgoing monarch and that's exactly how it's proved this week isn't it that the those have been the the two stories mm. obviously the uh, the victory of desert hero in the king george v handicap um the the queen i think the late queen wait, waited i think 15 days after her coronation when choir boy won the hunt cup in 1953 King Charles and Queen Camilla had to wait 47 between May the 6th and uh, the victory on Thursday. And, yeah, it was... Uh, it, so, those were the two big stories, and, and they've, they've given and given again, haven't they? Yeah, they, they certainly have. Uh, is it fair to say, if we're looking at the week in the round, and this is probably one for Monday, in truth, because we've got a day to run... But what we would love this afternoon, and I don't know whether we've got the right setup to get it, is a performance that really, that really is a not a ratings buster makes it sound too too prosaic almost, but a, a performance that really thrills the crowd for equine brilliance. And I think if we've, I think if we've lacked something, it might be that. I I think Mostadaf might might be underrated. And his performance might not be given the credit it deserved. I certainly think King of Steel's got the potential to be a lovely horse in time. Triple time might yet be the most talented, talented older horse that's run this week. And it seems a long time ago. But have we have we had something that's really made us go, oh, my God, did you see that? No, we haven't. I don't think. Um, Mostadaf, if Mostadaf had been one of the first four in the betting, we would have taken that at face value without any question, wouldn't we? Mm. If... if if Luxembourg or, or or Baybridge or certainly my Prospero had done that, 
and I'm forgetting who was the other one. Who was the other one of the, of the four? Adia. Any one of the quartet. If they had done that, we'd have thought, right, here yeah. we go. Here's the man. You know, we told you. Um, but the fact that it was Mostadaf, a horse whose whose career just came off the rail slightly. You remember, he was I think he was about seven to four favourite. He was quite a short price favourite for the Brigadier Gerard Stakes that Bay Bridge uh, won yeah. a couple of years ago. And since then, and afterwards, of course, John Gosden said, "Oh, he ran, a, you know, he, he won well in Saudi, and we've always we've always liked this horse." But trainers always say that. The rest of us thought basically that Mostadaf's career had had plateaued and had stalled. Um, but um, I, I don't. I don't really care about ratings, Busters. We we. I, I've been doing this job for but long you, enough. But you, you care about a horse that really thrills. Yeah, you, I don't you? do. I, I do, and you do. But but we <laughs> we are racing cognoscenti, if I may use that expression, without sounding pretentious. Joe Public does not care about ratings, that, oh, busters. That, oh, that's quite. It, it's true. Is that right? It's well, you're, ab- you're, you're, you would know more than me because you you write. I've written about Corto Star, Franco, See the Stars, all these horses over the years, obviously yeah. in, in different codes, and we make a big thing. Oh, Franco, he's the best ever, and you do a double parade uh, spread of you know the greats that he's better than. But at the end of the day, most of the people who come here, they don't know anything about time form ratings or racing post ratings. They don't know uh, and they don't care that Frankel is now better than Dancing Brave. They care about human interest stories. They're great for us. They're great for the industry. They're great for our little community and social media and all that sort of thing. So, Frankel better than Dancing Brave. Well, he wasn't when I was there in 1986. But the fact is, most people don't know and they don't but care. D- don't every doesn't every sports fan love love sports debate? You don't. It doesn't have to be. Isn't there somewhere between uh, inside baseball and just the fun, the fashion, the Royals and Frankie? Yeah, isn't, there, isn't there? Isn't there a big land between? There, there that? is. But but they're not the people that we're we're trying to. Engaged. We're trying to engage the people who don't really know anything about racing to, to come on mm. in and see what a great sport it is. Because I always have massive re- regard for your wide and, and new sense and the understanding of racing's place in the in the news context. And we talked about Royal Ascot and the monarchy in a Daily Mirror context a little yeah. bit earlier in the in in the week. But it, it's just I almost sort of feel a bit of a nihilistic. Uh, view from you there it's almost like we we, we 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 raise the white flag as regards actually trying to engage people in the rudiments of the sport no no not no i i don't i don't discussion of equine excellence has its place of course it does i'm not denying that it, that it has its place but as as a as a a fishing rod a hook to to try and draw people in their eyes glaze over what <laughs> listen um what 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 was Frankel's rating? 140. 140 right, 140. What, what was Dancing Brave? 139. Dancing Brave got moved down, didn't yeah. he? Whatever they whatever they were, right? If we were sitting, well, we wouldn't be sitting. We'd be standing on the train uh, back to Waterloo after racing today, and we engaged some race guys and said, "Oh, I see uh, Frankel still safe on 140 with uh, Dancing Brave on 139." We would get the thousand-yard stare from those people. So. Of course, it has its place, but it doesn't have the, rele- the, the resonance or the relevance that lots of people within the racing community think it does. I hope that what I've said makes sense. I don't mean to be nihilistic, and I don't, I, I, I don't mean to throw uh, the, the, the uh, discussion of, of 
the excellence of equine performances in the bin. Mm. I wouldn't dream of doing that, but I just think it's one for the anoraks, not one for the hoi polloi. All right, well, it wouldn't be a special bonus Saturday Royal Ascot pod without a contribution from our good friend Jason Richardson. It wasn't to be for the Aussie sprinters on Tuesday, Richo Coolangatta. Uh, and Cannonball. We'll come to them in a minute. But Artorias today, Saturday, uh, he's the one really that you were you were pinning your hopes on. Um, so uh, is confidence still high? Yeah, absolutely, Nick. I mean, I think the number one thing that we need to consider is, is if he has travelled as well as we think he has and as well as he did last year, well, then he comes into this race in better form. And some would argue this is a softer edition of uh, the Platinum Jubilee. So... He will be the horse to beat. I think if he appears, and it's so hard to travel across the world, as we know, whether you be a stayer coming from England out to Australia or vice versa for our sprinters, it's so hard to do it. You need to be absolutely A-plus as an Australian sprinter to be able to win this race. You you don't need to be a champion like Black Caviar, but you need to be awfully close. And we've seen in recent years, you know, Merchant Navy springs to mind, Star Spangled Banner. Though with Aidan O'Brien, by the time they got uh, here to Royal Ascot, they were very much Australian products. And then we go way back to Schwarz here, of course. Now, um, where does Artorias fit in? Well, he ran third last year and, uh, you know, arguably unlucky, but that's his racing pattern. He gets back and then flies late. He will try to settle a touch closer. James McDonald is conscious, like Zach Purton did when he won a Group 1 in Sydney in the Canterbury Stakes. If he could just get him one or two pairs closer to the speed... He can still have that great electric uh, turn of foot at the end of the race and run right into it. He's going to be awfully hard to beat if he's travelled over as well as he did last year. So I'm expecting him to run really well. Wellington, I think, the uh, the Hong Kong horse, um, who is an Australian bred, Ryan Moore, Richard Gibson, I'm expecting that lucky Swain S form in Hong Kong to hold up. He's a legitimate Group 1 sprinter and that form reference around the world, lucky Swain S, I'm convinced, will hold up. So should be a fascinating race and to end an unbelievable week uh richo how how dejected were the were the aussies on tuesday or or not really i think they were dejected more than anything at the luck of the weather and i I don't want to overplay that because it sounds like sour grapes but the fact that there was five millimeters of irrigation placed on the track the night before and then 10 millimeters at least fell on the track in the morning. For Australian conditions, that was legitimate soft ground for those sprinters and they do really prefer to be on top of the ground. So I think that's a slight excuse, but it's not the, the comprehensive excuse. What we do know is Coolangatta, she was fractious, that can happen with her, but then she jumped in the air and she over-raced and that's not her normal pattern. So. I don't know if she settled in 100%. And I think in their heart of hearts, the connections would have felt we were a bit concerned about her going into it. She did that you know, piece of work at Flemington, which certainly wasn't startling. Cannonball was the big surprise for me. I mean, he took off on Brett Preble. He got a little squeeze. Brett Preble said, um, oh, he just took off. And after 500 metres, I was flying. At 600 metre mark, I was uh, I was the first horse beaten. So interesting they decide to back up with him today. Um, spoke to James Harron yesterday. They're taking the blinkers off, putting a noseband on. They're going to try to hold him up and then see if he can accelerate. He'll be a different horse on firm ground that he'll get today. But that would be some sort of a turnaround in form. It, it surely would. Um, Richo, thanks so much for your time. Hope you've enjoyed Royal Ascot as always. And I can't let you go without asking about Gorak, your horse, who 
who led his group, led a tiny little splinter group down the stand side. What a great thrill, mate. It was so exciting. And I tell you what, I mean, oh, it was the thrill of a lifetime for me and uh, a couple of the owners were actually here, but then the rest of them that were sitting around TVs at three o'clock in the morning in Australia, we got a huge thrill because when you're watching the head-on, you, you can't line up the various sides. And look, he's a beauty, isn't he? Onwards towards Newmarket now. I think he'll run in a Bunbury Cup there. And uh, we're having a lot of fun with him and all credit to Charlie Fellows, who A, found the horse, and B has, has done a wonderful job presenting him uh, in unbelievable uh, form and fitness every time he starts. So he's a he's a remarkable animal. He's a lot of fun. Richo, thanks so much. Enjoy the enjoy the day today. Enjoy. See you, mate. Uh, that was uh, Jason Richardson, our good friend here on the podcast. He's had an amazing week, lots of experiences. Artorius, a strong fancy for Australia in today's renamed Queen Elizabeth II Jubilee Stakes. Uh, David Yates. Your take on the Jubilee, and could we see something spectacular there? And if so, from whom? If there's a spectacular performance there, I think it will be from Highfield Princess. Really? Yes, I do. I, I, I think that I, I, I have a feeling that every year we assume that sprinters, particularly from the Southern Hemisphere, are going to come over and duff up our sprinters. Artorius was a bit unlucky maybe quite a bit unlucky when he came home with a wet sail last year for a share of thirds um, but he doesn't seem to be a significantly better horse 12 months on in in, mm-hmm. in, in my reading well, of that, see, that's what the Australian viewpoint is as Richo right. was saying there that Artorius in the runs this I was going to say spring there autumn have been better okay. have, have taken him to another level and he's going to be sat Sorry, he's going to be sitting slightly closer to the pace. Okay, so if he is a better horse, he'll win. But he's still got a couple of lengths to to, to make up on... He's still going to improve like six pounds, hasn't he, on last year's form in order to win the race. And to put up the sort of stellar performance that you or I are... Uh, uh, we're talking about a few uh, a, f- a few moments ago in terms of the numbers. He's got to improve quite a bit on that. I think that Highfield Princess might be the one. Um, the horse that I've tipped is is uh, is a Rohan because Loves you know he's got he he's got a couple of lengths to find on the on the best sprinters here. But his record at the track is very very good. He's the latest of five horses uh, to win the Wokingham Handicap twice since it uh, took its current form in 1874 when it was run as a single race rather than sorry I, 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 uh, when it, it <laughs> talking was, of eyes glazing over when, yeah <laughs> when it was yeah. run as a single race <sighs> and although he's they saved the queen alexandra you know <laughs> although, <laughs> although he has failed multiple times at the highest level he's uh, his failure in the Kipco British Champion Sprint here last October, he led his group home uh, when he was behind Kinross. So as a, a sporting wager, I don't think there's a superstar in, in that field. And because I don't think there's a superstar, I think Rohan is capable of winning. If there is, he won't. All right, one man who's had a pretty good week is Rafe Beckett uh, joins me now. Uh, Rafe, it's a it's a long week for everyone, everyone involved with the sport, but a very enjoyable one. How do you reflect on it as we as we march into the final day? Uh, some really good, some not so good. 
so I'm awful. That's the way. That's the way it goes, isn't it, Nick? That's the nature of the beast. But uh, yeah, we've by and large we've had a great week. Uh, the one-two in the Hunt Cup is is going to be the stuff of legend for a long time to come. I mean, in your wildest dreams, really? No, uh, never. <laughs> I didn't. Uh, I didn't foresee that at all. So it was. It was. It was wonderful. Absolutely. And did it make you think differently about the two horses? Do you think? Do you think Jimi Hendrix could actually be really, really good if he gets his head in the right place? Absolutely. You know, it, it, it's, it, it's it's clear that Ascot really suits him. Um, so we'll we'll be ploughing that furrow, and uh, I've just got to work out what we do next with him. But uh, you know, what a run! Handicaps look out for him for the time being, at any rate. So as many group races as you can find up the straight mile at Ascot, basically. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, Richard Morkin was on yesterday talking about the QE2, but I don't know whether that was whether that was the the celebration talking or not. Well, we'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. But uh, you know, he'll have an entry for certainly. We'll have a think about it. Um, just uh, on yesterday, Remarque came back to form in quite some style, finishing a good second in the Coronation Stakes. She got interfered with. There was a steward's inquiry. How were you left feeling afterwards on, on balance? I was really pleased. I, you know, I, 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 it was certainly the right decision, the steward's inquiry. You know, she's just, she's just not yet the finished article. And uh, uh, psychologically, or... You know, physically, I thought I was really pleased, happy with her going into the race. I thought she looked terrific beforehand, but we've still got some work to do uh, to, to, to make her to make her the filly we hope she'll become. And who have you been most disappointed with this week? Uh, um, I mean, Lazoo, Lazoo, we we. Uh, Lizzie was very disappointing yesterday, uh, but there's a reason for that, and uh, she'll be back. Uh, so probably her. You know that was that was probably disappointing. Uh, disappointed the most. Davideo, that was unfortunate. We'll move on from that. And uh, uh, prosperous voyage as well. Ditto, that was unfortunate. But hope that all three can 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 come on and and and. You're not despondent about any of them moving forward? None. None. No, they'll all be back. Okay. And to, today, uh, Kinross goes in the in the Jubilee. Now, the orthodoxy would suggest that the ground might be a little bit lively, but the Times yesterday suggested something a bit different. Um, have you got an idea of what the ground actually is at the moment? <laughs> it's always difficult to read on the straight track there, isn't it? But, you know, he, likes it. he loves it there. And... Uh, you know, we've got to start him somewhere. I'd love a, you know, half an inch of rain overnight going into the day, but that's not to, that's not to be. You know, he's an old boy now, and uh, he's uh, big enough to look after himself out there, and I think he'll run really well. And we saw in in Keeneland that you know he could handle he could handle the ground there seemingly really fine. Yeah. I mean, it's not really the ground so much as the as the, as the fact that you know over over six a bit of juice helps him because you know he's uh, he's quicker than the rest or appears to be uh, over six on slow ground um, you know over a mile you know he gets it well on fast ground you know that that's the uh, that's the way it, it falls but you know I, I'm uh, I'm 
looking forward to running him today. He's ready for it. And finally, Rafe, I mean, you're, you, you're, you've been a part in, in a sort of tangential way of, of both the key storylines of the week. You give Frankie Dottori a lot of rides. You train quite a lot of horses for, for the king and queen. Um, how, how, how would you rate the importance of both of those to, to this week and to the sport? I thought it was fantastic. Um, William Source winning on, uh, on, on uh, Thursday. It, was just, it, was, it, it, couldn't, it couldn't be better. And, you know... Um, it's, uh, it's great news for everybody. That was Rafe Beckett on an up and down sort of a week. Big hopes with Kinross today on a track that he says he loves. News has come through. Hookham is out of the Hardwick Stakes. No massive surprise there, given that there's not been any rain. Though the ground has confounded everyone, I think, this week. And you heard Richo earlier on in the show, Dave, saying that they were a bit pissed off to be honest that there'd been five mils stuck on before the 10 mils shower and then it made it very dead and puddingy on the first day and even though the the ground has been ostensibly quickening up and chris has only chris tickles has only been putting a replacement amount on you know five mils every day which you would have thought it would have been losing with the heat yesterday's times were a real head scratcher and and it just seems that maybe the horses aren't getting as much help off the surface, as much bounce off the surface as you'd expect on quick conditions? Yeah, that, that could well be the case. I mean, the um, we, we're we guessing to a degree, are we? Well, I think, uh, so I think even people who make a, make a living out of trying to analyse times and ground are finding are finding themselves going, what, what's, what's going on here? Because it's bloody hot, it's drying out all the time, the straight track is one of the best draining tracks anywhere in the world, you know, he put a lot of water on before the meeting, but well, the, even so. Well, this this is what I was going to say. We're, we're, we're guessing how much water, or, or we're, we're trying to guess how much water was put on mm. in, in the run-up but, to the... But the curious the curious thing, I think, is that is that when it got to the second day and the Queen Mary's running 59.90, whatever it was, and then the, ne- the, ne- the race on the next day, the two-year-old race, the Norfolk's running 59.70-odd, you're thinking, OK, it's, it's genuinely good to firm ground. And then you look at yesterday and he's only put a little sprinkle on. Yeah to and keep it, it the same as it was and yeah and yet the times are sort of saying so i don't know whether there's what what the effect of it all has had on the surface it's certainly something that i will bear in mind when mm. i'm called in uh, before mirror bosses to uh, explain my lamentable tipping uh, performance well, this week i will say well there, there's been a difficulty with the ground but mirror readers will have been fully engaged with this process <laughs> yes i hadn't thought of that Right, I want to talk quickly about a couple of things that came out of yesterday. One of them was uh, Shaquille, because we spoke to Julie Camacho on the on the show uh, a couple of weeks ago and talked about the horse, and a very sweet tweet yesterday suggesting that Shaquille might have been backed on the strength of that, which was lovely to hear. And uh, Asheen Murphy, riding an important grade uh, Group 1 winner here at Ascot, uh, his first season back from his ban. Yep, absolutely. It was a 14-month 14 14-month ban uh, for misleading BHA officials uh, over his uh, holiday destination during the COVID-19 crisis of 2020 and those two failed breath tests uh, the following year. Um, it's been pretty seamless, hasn't it, though, his comeback? Remember the, uh, the, the classic, the 1,000 guineas aboard Morge at Newmarket at the start of last month. Um, it, I, I always said uh, to, to people when 
various controversial jockeys of the past uh, have, have had uh, their travails and people have said to me oh you know he won't he won't get any rides now and I always said well owners trainers they don't they, they don't engage jockeys on whether they help old ladies across the road uh, they engage them on whether they can uh, get one horse to run faster than the other jockeys in the weighing room can and and in, if I say that and not by the way uh, I think that Asheen Murphy has learned from his mistakes and you know in the in the uh, in in the the grand tradition of uh, the, the 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 system of, of crime and punishment he's come back a better person um, uh, he's a very bright and eloquent young man mm. and and it, it's no surprise that he's come back and he's slotted right back in at the highest level I must just mention Julie Camacho that was a fantastic uh, result for the mm -hmm. North Yorkshire stable um, I thought I, I was going to tip Sha Shaquille, and then I thought, you know what? The the occasion will just be too much for him. It, and when he reared as the well, stalls open, I thought, won. oh, well done, Yatesy. Sakir uh, will 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 carry your selection surely now with distinction. And then of course, um, Shaquille is a, is a, a horse of uh, really quite astonishing. Ability. And I wonder whether, and I felt very much for James Doyle yesterday, whose ride Shaquille was, but he was claimed to ride for Godolphin, and I wondered whether Asheen Murphy looked at the coronation stakes and thought, damn it, I wish Maud had been there, because Tahira was good, but... Yeah, she, she, was, she was a bit like she was in the Irish Guineas, wasn't she? In that she, she didn't exactly set the world alight, but, but she won. I mean, I have a, a little bit of sympathy for James Dorr, but them's the brakes, aren't they? You, you're employed by Godolphin. You know, like, the, the, the second driver of Ferrari or Williams, like, they're going to finish behind the number one bloke at Monaco, at Dijon, and all the rest of it. But they're paid big bucks, and it's better than driving a Reliant Robin at the back of the field, isn't it? You know, so... James Doyle will have looked at that and thought, well, you know, I'm, I'm handsomely played, paid by Godolphin. I get, I, I, I get some good winners out of it too, so them's the breaks. But again, to Asheen Murphy's uh, credit, he was aware of James Doyle's position in the, the post-race interviews and uh, he referenced that. Well, it's been great this week, every day, Tuesday through Friday, to be joined by our good friend Lisa Tan, uh, resident milliner to the Nick Lark Daily podcast with her... Um, fashion musings and uh, Lisa has penned this essay on Royal Ascot through a fashion lens 2023. There was a sense of uncertainty in the lead up to this year's Royal meeting as we pondered how the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth would affect Royal Ascot. If racing has felt her loss then so too has the fashion industry. It was an absence of colour in the royal quarters which really struck a chord. Missing were her bright colour-blocked ensembles, with new Queen Camilla favouring muted shades of ivory, pastel pink, pale green and classic black and white. Perhaps this was intentional, a sign of respect by not attempting to emulate the late Queen, and honouring her instead by visibly sporting her jewellery on her outfits. So it was left to the crowds to add colour, as scores of women and a few men donned vivid shades of almost every hue imaginable. Pink was prevalent in a variety of tones, from the softest blush through to majestic magenta, but red firmed in favouritism late in the week after its appearance on the Princess of Wales in what was her boldest Royal Ascot look to date. It's at Royal Ascot that the millinery industry really thrives. While some courses are busy relaxing their dress codes, Ascot continues to reinforce and strengthen theirs, 
much to the delight of us Mad Hatters. We saw a plethora of different styles and sizes of hats, headpieces, headbands and fascinators. From dainty, delicate, intricate pieces to vertiginous artistic creations of wonder. The display of millinery finery on Gold Cup Day never fails to disappoint, with most racegoers saving their best for this day, myself included. These fanciful displays of wonder might fool you into thinking the cost of living crisis doesn't exist at Royal Ascot. But the strongest trend this year was not a colour, nor a style, but a way to afford items beyond our means. Yes, it's the rental system, a stroke of economic brilliance which also ties into that other fashion movement, sustainability. With everything from designer dresses to couture millinery and luxury goods available to rent these days, it's no wonder many regular racegoers and media types are turning to rental websites to ensure they look their best on race day. While it's clear Royal Ascot is not the same as it was with Queen Elizabeth at the helm, the daily presence of King Charles and Queen Camilla has instilled confidence in racegoers the royal meeting is alive and well. And if the fashion was anything to go by, then there is still plenty to celebrate. All right, so that brings to an end uh, this special bonus Saturday morning podcast from Royal Ascot. David Yates alongside me. Um, David, uh, just before we, we sign off, I should point out that the Irish Horse Racing Regulatory Board have been very, very busy releasing news this week. First of all, Ronan McNally was largely unsuccessful in his appeal. That got released earlier in the week. Um, the, the, the final four years of his 12-year uh, sentence, if you like, disqualification was suspended for another four years. Um, and then the the ban for Dennis Hogan for another infraction of the medication rules came through um, was it yesterday or the day before. I mean, it, extraordinary they should choose Royal Ascot Week to release these bits of news. Uh, paraphrase the uh, unfortunate civil servant of all those years ago in 9-11 week. This would be a good week to bury bad news. Well, the, the IHRB have been... Uh, Got a whole graveyard full of it. Yeah, we shall exhume it next week in detail. Don't they, worry. They've been busy, haven't they? Yeah. Uh, in that respect, as you say, a, a Royal Ascot, Cheltenham, Aintree—they are the best weeks to bury bad news, and the IHRB have been well aware of that. It seems over the past few days. Um, as I say, um, you can expect one or two of my correspondents to be uh, exhuming those stories uh, over the over the next few days. Um, what about going out on a on a big high? What do you want from this afternoon? What storylines does this afternoon need to deliver you? Oh, more winners for Dottori, probably. Free Wind uh, is now a short price favourite for the Hardwick. I mean, you know, let's be honest about it. I, I, driving from Fleet, where I, I stay during Royal Ascot Week, you know, you think, right, what, what are services. the stories? Fleet services. It, well, no, in, in Fleet <laughs> itself. The Lismoyne Hotel, lovely, lovely hotel, great treats. And the thinking about the, the storylines, you know, look, Dottori is one off Ryan Moore at the top of the table. Mm-hmm. He's, it's 5-4, Ryan Moore has got the countbacks in the bag. So Dottori needs two winners more than Ryan Moore to win this today. Mm-hmm. And obviously Ryan Moore has got a couple of favourites as well. But I think it's 16-1 to one on and 8-1 to one against the pair at the moment. But if there were another one, on, if, say free wind, were to go in, which I mean she's got every chance of doing with Hookham out of the way and Pile Driver probably, or we, we suppose needing his return to the fray. Um, if Dottori were to do that, then I mean a, an Australian or a British horse could win the, uh, the Queen Elizabeth II Jubilee Stakes by 20 lengths and no one would care. 
Um, I should just alert you all once again to the Huntsman ride of the day, which yesterday, by the biggest margin of the week, went to Asheen Murphy on Shaquille. 62% played 15% Holly Doyle, 12% Ryan Moore, 11% Frankie Dutore, who already had a verdict earlier in the week. So, um, Asheen Murphy joins uh, Tom Marquand, Neil Callan and Frankie Dutore in the running for a, a bespoke Huntsman suit. Yeah, I, yep. I should be visiting uh, German Street next week to just have a... We'll, we'll have a sale on next week. <laughs> um, and make sure you vote tonight when we put the poll up tonight as well. And then, of course, the final of finals will uh, come up tomorrow. Our thanks to Huntsman for their support. Thank you for listening this week. We will be back, of course, on Monday to do it all over again. Do you want a selection? Yes, please. OK, we're going to go then... As the selection, though, Nick, and we're going to go to the Wokium. Let's try and go out in a blaze of glory with number 13, Lethal Levi. Carl Burke's had something of an underwhelming mm. week this week, but uh, let's roll the dice with this horse who's been really progressive over the last couple of seasons in uh, six furlong handicaps. Let's hope that number 13 is lucky for punters and unlucky for those dreadful bookie chappies. Five o'clock race at Royal Ascot. It's the Wokingham handicap, the selection number 13, Lethal Levi. Thanks so much for your company during what's been a very enjoyable week. One final chapter to write, and then we'll be reviewing it all Monday morning. See you then. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.